you are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Tony Dowling, welcome to another episode of Pharmacy IT and Me. And as with every episode, we start this one saying that the intended audience is everybody. And today we'll be speaking of our special guest, uh, Julie Fishman, on what her role is in pharmacy technology and informatics. So thank you so much for taking some time to be on the podcast, Julie. How are you doing today? Hey there. Um, I'm doing great. It's a a Friday. It's Southern California. It's nice and sunny. Could be a lot worse, even though we're we're staying at home. Um, Still not such a bad experience as many other places. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Sorry, which part of uh, which area of uh, California are you in again? Yeah, so I'm uh, based in San Diego. Um, I moved here, I think, about four and a half years ago. Um, lived uh, pretty much majority of my life in New York City, so I'm uh, feeling a little bit like a displaced uh, city person in a in a beautiful beach town. Oh yeah, San Diego's really nice, and I, I guess you're not really that far from me because I'm over in Orange County. So. I guess for the listener to kind of learn a little bit more about yourself, can you tell us a little bit more about, I guess, like your early journeys in the pharmacy and what motivated you to, you know, get into pharmacy? Like what was like the motivating factor that pushed you to become a pharmacist uh, first and foremost? Yeah, so I probably have a quite unusual story um, because I always say when people ask me, why'd you go to pharmacy school? I just say it was an accident. <laughs> I, I I did not grow out grow up in the United States. I, I moved to New York when I was a teenager, and uh, I had a physics and math background. Um, that's what I studied uh, before. Felt my my brain was more inclined towards engineering type of uh, work and accounting. And uh, I moved to New York and I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do and what career to pursue. And there was literally somebody a year older than me who was graduating that year. And uh, when I asked her what she was planning to do after she graduated high school, she told me that she was going to pharmacy school. And I was like, what is that? She gave me a a really... um, superficial description. Uh, Some of the factors that she mentioned was that, uh, you know, it's in the medical field, but it's not as long as medical school. And, um, you know, once you graduate, you're pretty much guaranteed a job and uh, you will be, uh, you probably will have a comfortable salary. So I I literally said, you know what, that sounds good to me. You know, I guess I um, intuitively knew that it was a track I wanted to follow and made sense to me. So that's how I made my decision to go to pharmacy school. Not much research. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so I guess when you were in pharmacy school, uh, was it kind of like what you were expecting when you were like when you entered pharmacy school and then when you left pharmacy school, what was like kind of the your perspective uh, between the two? Was there a big difference or was it kind of like what you expected? Yeah, so I did not really have, um, you know, expectations. I was just kind of taking it as as was. Um, you know, I was very interested in all the subjects that we're learning. What uh, occurred to me is that I was much more interested in subjects like pharmacy law and uh, subjects like uh pharmacy management and, you know, uh, pharmacoeconomics. I, I did very much enjoy the patient interaction aspect. I think uh, 
I think the uh, what what really assured me is that I, I made the right choice was not necessarily being an actual pharmacy school, but more um, the experiences, the experiential practice that I had um, when uh, when I was in school, and that was very. Uh, reassuring to me that I did in fact select a profession that uh, made me feel fulfilled at that time. And, uh, I I saw it as a, as a as a as a right career track for me. Oh, okay, okay, that's that's really good. So um, I I also saw that you you got a master's in public is a public admin. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> um, another uh, another kind of uh, somewhat uh, random choice. Well, it, you know, as I as I mentioned, um, I realized that I really enjoyed the administrative management functions. I enjoyed that. I did enjoy patient interactions, but um, um, I, I felt that uh, I wanted to gain additional experience beyond what was just offered in pharmacy school. I felt what I learned in pharmacy school was very clinically inclined. And, uh, you know, coming from more very like mathematically set brain, like very structured functions, you know, um, uh, structures processes improvement. That's what I was most interested in. And uh, so so when I was graduating from pharmacy school, that was a time actually when uh, PharmD was not required. So I was literally, you know, and I, I went to pharmacy school in New York State. So and in New York State, um, that was probably like actually the last state that implemented mandatory PharmD program. So I was probably the last class that uh, could graduate with RPH degree. And I was weighing my options, what I should do, whether I should go get my PharmD, so two additional years of school, or should I do something else? I met someone in my class who was doing a dual degree. She was in pharmacy school, and she was also pursuing her MBA. And uh, at that time, I felt like a pure business degree. I was not sure that was going to be most beneficial for my career. When I talked to her, she mentioned to me that she had a uh, a childhood friend that uh, was living in New York City, and uh, she was pursuing her master's in public administration, focusing on healthcare at NYU. You know, NYU was uh, definitely one of the schools that I would have loved to experience. So I looked at the program, um, I looked at diversity of classes, and I decided that to to add you know a little bit more like well-roundedness to my background, to my educational background, it made sense for me to pursue a business degree, but still that was focused on healthcare, because that's the field that I was in. Oh, okay. So so the MPA degree, like I've seen some of the curriculum, because I, I had a few friends that went through it. And there's a, like a lot of like, like what you said, you're really interested in law. There's not like a lot of like public policy related things in there. Was that kind of like what your program was like too? Yeah. So the program that NYU had, it actually had multiple tracks. There was a finance track, there was a policy track, and there was a management track. I was always interested in management, but I also very much loved numbers and finance. So what I decided to do was to focus on management. So most of my classes were uh, management. And uh, I took, uh, you know, kind of pursued sort of like a minor in finance. I think I took one policy class um, that was required as part of part of the program, but I decided that was not really the area that was most important to me at that time. Oh, okay, okay. So, so I guess like uh, when you finished pharmacy school, uh, and then um, what did you do your MPA while you were in pharmacy school, or you said it was after, right? 
it was after I took a year off because I went to pharmacy school at the University at Buffalo. So I, I returned to New York and I started working at uh, Rite Aid, so retail pharmacy setting. And uh, during the time when I got back, I applied to NYU. Oh, okay. So then after, like, how long afterwards did you start working uh, in the pharmacy, like as a pharmacist? Yeah, so I actually was, uh, you know, when I graduated, there was a time when there was a big shortage of pharmacists. So coming back to New York, you know, I literally sent my resume to maybe a couple of places. And right away, I got a response uh, from RightAid, and they had an opening and started out actually as a graduate intern as I was waiting for the results of my licensure exam. So it was pretty much right away. And then I got my uh, got licensed as a pharmacist. So I transitioned from being a graduate intern to a pharmacist position. Oh, wow. Okay. So uh, so you worked as a pharmacist. And I guess for a number of years, uh, you, you went and navigated your way through to the digital health space. And I, I was curious, I guess before we get into like how you made that transition, what is it that you currently do? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I do a lot of different things. Uh, and I'll talk more about how I got into digital health. But uh, currently, I split my time between various roles. So my one of my roles is working with a company called Medisafe, which is a medication management platform. It's a leading company in that space. Medisafe builds um, uh, digital companions to help patients manage their complex regimens. I also work with an early stage investor in into digital health companies called Nextcute. Um, they're based here in San Diego. And I work with um, companies that uh, this particular company invests into, and I help them sometimes visualize their commercialization path, sometimes act on it. Sometimes I help them understand um, how to build their product, not from the uh, software type of side. You know, I, I'm not um, a software engineer, but help them understand, you know, what in healthcare we refer to as a patient journey framework. And through Nextcube, I have an opportunity to touch all types of digital com- digital health companies, ranging from those that are SaaS platforms, so software as a service platforms that help uh, make processes within life science and healthcare companies more efficient, um, all the way to digital therapeutics companies. And you know, listeners may know or may not, but digital therapeutics is uh, pretty much equivalent to a drug. In some cases, digital therapeutics replace the drugs, and in some cases, they act as a complement to drug regimen. And the last. I uh, I'm also an entrepreneur in residence at UCSD. Um, that was a very exciting role, uh, very exciting opportunity that I was asked to participate in last year by a colleague. So I, I you know, I get a chance to work with uh, academia and students, helping them uh, think through their ideas and how to how to bridge of uh, the, the the idea and the technology to actually building out the product and starting a company. Wow, that's a lot of things that you do, and I I have like so many questions on that. Yeah, I, I guess like so the question I can remember right now is the digital therapeutic side. Is um even me like when I'm hearing about the words of digital therapeutics, it's still a little confusing to me, even though there is that definition. So, do you have like an example? that you can provide that maybe people who never heard of it can understand it a little better? Yeah. So 
there are a lot of digital therapeutics companies, or rather the companies that call themselves digital therapeutics. Um, there are several that have been approved that are currently on the market. Um, some of the companies that come to mind are Achille, which has a software to help, uh, I believe it's specifically for children with ADHD. And it has, I think it has a gamification component. Um, so it's almost like uh, the way I understand it, and don't quote me on it, because uh, I, you know, I, I'm not, I, I don't work for that company, uh, and I don't use their technology, but I believe it's almost like a video game to to help children with their attention span. Um, you know, there is a company called uh, Pair Therapeutics. Um, they have a couple of products on the market approved for addiction. Um, I think they just had another indication approved. But essentially, what digital therapeutics does, it by saying digital therapeutic, it signifies that it's a product, it's a digital product that's able to deliver outcomes for a patient. If we think of a traditional medication, you know, a patient takes a medication, they receive, they, they get alleviation of symptoms or their disease progression uh, stalls, you know, they, they, they encounter physiological, biological benefits of that uh, actual medication. Um, in the case of digital therapeutics, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a software that works and as a drug and changes your habits, changes outcomes. Then there is also a concept of, uh, sorry, and there's like a number of products that fall into the digital therapeutic space. So it could be a companion. So it's um, uh, a companion to to traditional therapy that would enhance it or deliver it. Yeah. And so the other question I had too was you mentioned the patient journey framework. And I, I think I know what that is, but it sounds like a really interesting and important thing to know. So can you kind of describe that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So patient journey framework has been, has existed for a long time and uh, it's used for all types of healthcare, in all types of healthcare companies and settings. Specifically, when it comes to digital health, I'll, I'll try to make an example. So imagine a patient who is, who goes to a doctor and now they're diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And uh, let's say, actually, it's a more advanced form of rheumatoid arthritis. So the doctor is suggesting uh, a variety of treatments. Um, you know, some of the treatments could include biologic drugs. So, you know, the patient has to make a determination if they can afford those drugs. Um, how can they afford those drugs? You know, many of those drugs could be injectable. Do they know how to inject those drugs? Do they not? They need to train, be trained how to use the um, injectable device. As they leave the doctor's office, we know that, you know, those drugs are typically specialty drugs. So the patient does not really get the prescription in their hands. It gets uh, sent to a specialty pharmacy and a specialty pharmacy conducts all the various protocols behind the scenes that patients not aware of to get um, the patient that medication. In the meantime, the patient is kind of on their own and wondering, you know, where's their medication? And they have a lot of questions and then they might be overwhelmed with their diagnosis. So if we think about patient journey, it's um, the experience of a patient and all the uh, challenges that they may encounter and all the uh, um, 
points in their in their treatment journey, in their diagnosis journey that uh, they encounter where they need support. So when we talk about some of the digital therapeutics, some of the digital therapies in general, we think about how, at which points can we touch patients um, to influence and simplify and make it easier for them to go through this patient journey. Um, in the past, um, this when we envisioned patient journey, it was pretty linear and uh, a patient goes from point A to point B to point C, meaning like they went to a doctor, then they went into the pharmacy, then they you know went for a follow-up. We know that in today's world, it's by far more complex and patients take into consideration many, many different factors and they are encountering um, you know multiple touch points with different healthcare providers. And it's, it's really complex. The role of digital health, in my opinion, and the value is to be able to deliver care uh, to patients when they need it and provide information for them that's most relevant to them. So that's why it's important to understand patient journey. So you're not, so you only deliver information that's relevant. So, you know, you are a pharmacist and you have an MBA. And I guess like another question is like, uh, you know, some people may be asking like, oh, why don't you just have someone that um, is, you know, a nurse or someone who's a, a PA or a doctor, like do all these kind of things. Like why, why would you have a pharmacist do this? Uh, what, what is it that makes pharmacists so unique in the way that they provide a lot of value for uh, digital health services and, you know, providing more value for getting a patient journey framework to be addressed in a proper way? Yeah. So that's actually a really great question. My opinion is that healthcare is a very complex field and we have many of areas where there are shortages. Um, we know that there's shortage of nurses, for example. We know that there's shortage of primary care doctors. Um, pharmacists bring additional value to the table because they view patient, patient management from a different perspective. They deeply understand the clinical side. They deeply understand uh, um, you know, uh, how to interact with the patients, how to influence patients. They, you know, the scope of work of pharmacists has been expanding. So I think there is, there is a great value. And then when we take into consideration like other new disciplines that have evolved over the years somewhat recently, like pharmacogenomics, for example, um, and the influence of your, um, you know, uh, genetic makeup on your ability to benefit from medications, how to select the medication appropriately, which treatment would work, definitely makes a pharmacist a, a very valuable asset and a very valuable member of the patient management team. Again, you know, healthcare is complex. It's not, um, and therefore the team that addresses the needs of a patient has to be comprehensive. So I, I like how you mentioned about the importance of comprehensive team. So in your case, like what are the different types of members on your team? Yeah, great question. So the teams that I see, and again, you know, I'm, I'm involved in like so many different uh, <laughs> settings, as, as, you, as you mentioned. Um, I see all types of combinations. You know, digital health is this unique space that combines technology and medicine, so what it means is that on the technology side, it may bring to the table people like engineers, people like product designers, 
people who are, you know, more of like a structured project managers to move the program forward. And then on the clinical side, it brings people like, you know, physicians, nurses, pharmacists, um, you know, non-traditional healthcare providers too. I think, uh, I think it's really important to have this really well-rounded team. And sometimes I see teams that uh, are, are really heavy on the technical expertise, but don't have the clinical expertise and vice versa. Sometimes I see teams that are trying to address, you know, problems in, uh, in, the, in the pharmacy world and pharmaceutical world, yet they don't really have any team members who are either practicing pharmacists or informal pharmacists who can bring that kind of like touch of reality and uh, uh, personal experience. That's really cool. So, so we talked about like, you know, what you're currently doing. And uh, I wanted to ask you about like, when you started this journey, how did you navigate yourself? Like, was it something you knew you wanted to do? Or was it something that just, oh, it just kind of came about and you you just naturally fell into the spot? Are there any like special steps that um, maybe people can kind of look to that they can do to get into the field? Yeah, so... So I think what uh, always drives me forward in general in life professionally is curiosity. I'm a constant seeker of new information. I am always looking to build new skills, to know what's out there, to understand what's happening. I think that's what drove me to look beyond what I was doing. I think um, another factor that was really important to me is that, um, you know, I'm one of those people who really likes complicated situations and solving complicated problems. So it was always seeking that, um, you know, solutions that uh, are not one dimensional. I think, uh, you know, what the most basic steps that anybody can take is be curious about not just the pharmacy world, be curious about all parts of our day-to-day life, you know, be curious about what's going on in technology, be curious about the big picture, be curious about, you know, what new generation is, uh, is trying to do, be curious about all types of skill sets. I I don't think there is like a single day in time when I don't learn something new, whether it's, um, you know, attending various, you know, webinars, reading articles, being part of different organizations that are not necessarily clearly aligned with what I'm doing. I always felt like if I surround myself with people who are just like me, I don't, I didn't, I never thought I would grow personally or professionally. So always seek out um, groups, organizations that are different from what I know. That's a that's really good advice. And do you have any like different advice maybe for the students right now who are in school and interested in getting to this field, but they don't have yet all that experience of, you know, understanding the process, understanding operations? Like, do you have any like particular suggestions that they can do? Yeah. So if they're curious, for example, you know, specifically talking about digital health, there are a number of um, groups on LinkedIn that they can join. Just follow the posts, you know, that uh, people post there and they would always include links to the to different articles to help students understand what is it going, what, what's going on in that space. Um, there are also 
a number of publications, traditional pharmacy publications, always now publish something on technology. So I think that also could be a really good source of information. There are also a couple of general organizations that have been created um, on, for digital health uh, companies and professionals. One of them I, I just discovered recently. It's called Digital Medicines, and it's the abbreviation is D-I-M-E. Um, and I think they post some really interesting information. Um, there is also an organization called Alliance for Digital Therapeutics. Um, both of these organizations, I believe they have uh, LinkedIn groups. So you can take a look and see what information is being posted there. So I think just exposing yourself to to almost like passively exposing yourself to the new stream that's coming from those groups and LinkedIn, I think that's a really good way to start understanding the uh, different uh, different sectors of digital health and what exactly is going on in that space. Awesome. Yeah, that's really that's some really good advice for the students too, because I, I know that students have that challenge of like not knowing where to find this information. And, um, you know, thanks for thanks for like talking about all the sources that uh, that currently publish those kind of things for digital health. Um, for for the students, for the students, or maybe even other pharmacists who have some, you know, additional questions that they want to ask you specifically, uh, what's the best way that they can reach out to you? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, everybody's welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn. I um, accept all requests and I always welcome any questions, requests for informational interviews. I, you know, I, I really enjoy spending time with those that are looking to further their career. I have to say that when, when I was a student, when I was in pharmacy school and early in my career, I kind of did not do that much external research. I did not talk to that many people. And now looking back retrospectively, you know, I think my, you know, my career path could have been smoother and easier if I reached out more uh, for, to others for information. I, I quite frankly was living in a, in a kind of bit of a bubble and did not really venture outside of it um, until probably good five to eight um, years into my career. And when I did, it was a whole new world. So, you know, I always welcome people to reach out to me. I And I suggest reaching out to others as well. I think I think many people are very open to mentoring. And, uh, you know, it, it's like, even if you feel nervous, like would somebody respond? It's just trying, you know, what's the worst that could happen if you reach out, you know, and they don't respond, nothing, right? So, yeah, yeah. So uh, thank you, you know, thank you for uh, letting uh, the listeners uh, reach out to you. I'll be putting your uh, LinkedIn information into our show notes for anyone who's interested in reaching out. But, you know, to be respectful of your time, I'd like to thank you again so much for taking some time out of your busy day to be on the show. Sure, my pleasure. Alright, if you like our show, please share with your friends, or you can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or any of your other favorite podcasting services. You can also check us out on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn, and you can also reach out to me at Tony at PharmacyITME.com. If you want to network, you can check out the Pharmacist Slack group at PharmacistConnect.com, which is P-H-A-R-M-A-C-I-S-T-S-C-O-N-N-E-C-T.com. There's different topic channels, including informatics, and I've met some great colleagues on there, and I look forward to connecting with you as well. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of Pharmacy and me and remember technology is a tool patient care is the goal
Oh, 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 oh,